Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, Jesse Jackson here. Uh, this is a one-off episode. I had done a series of episodes on Set Lusting Bruce for John Hyatt Month to celebrate John's birthday month last year. One of the guests I had, John, uh, enjoyed it so much he followed up and asked if he could come back to talk about Riding with the King. Instead of a song discussion this week, you're going to get a discussion with John and Sylvan and I talking about Riding with the King. So enjoy. We will be back to our song discussions next week. Thank you. Uh, the first one, my breakthrough album was Slow Turning. Um, and I'd heard about him before with um, Bring the Family, but uh, Ride with the King was the second album. And what I've kind of found out with great artists is there's a lot of songs on their albums that are never on the radio. So you just kind of wonder why when I was listening to this album, it had probably been late 80s, had probably been out five or six years. Like, why haven't I heard these songs before? Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, but we are getting off the Bruce Springsteen train, and I guess we're riding a motorcycle because we're riding mm -hmm. with the king. This is a um, kind of a crossover uh, with uh, our John Hyatt uh, podcast, perfectly good podcast. So anytime I'm talking John Hyatt, I am happy to have my podcast and John Hyatt sibling, Sylvan Goth. Sylvan. Hello, Jesse. And I am basically going to sit in the backseat of the uh, Cadillac for this one and hear what your friend has to say about this classic album that uh, was released when I was four years old. So <laughs> I'm used to kind of being quiet on that one. Very nice. All right. So, and returning to the podcast is Mr. John Fox. How are you doing, John? 
Jesse, doing great. Yes, excited. Very so excited. tell us a little bit about yourself in case they did not hear the first time you're on. Let's see. Well, I'm uh, from Sacramento, California, and um, just a big uh, music lover in general, specifically of uh, songwriters. And um, we're talking about one of my favorite of all time. Uh, so we can go on for hours and hours. I'll try not to do that. But um, <laughs> well, you lover of music. So. You have the right audience if you want to. Yes. Um, so John was joining. John joined me when I had John Hyatt month uh, back in 2022. Um, and he did Warming Up to the Ice Age was the album he wanted to pick, correct? That is correct. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we had a great time. And afterwards, he sent me an email saying, hey, is there any chance I could come back and talk about a second album? And I said, sure, that's great. Now, at the time, I didn't know that we were going to be doing um, a John Hyatt podcast. Uh, so uh, this is kind of kind of fun for us. Uh, Sylvan and I have uh, have not done a lot of songs. I don't think have we talked any song off Riding with the King yet, Sylvan? With the King? That is a great question, Jesse. Um, scrolling through our list here, and I don't think we have. Yeah. Apparently so, he made those later in the alphabet. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like Book Lovers is one we will come up, uh, the, will be the first one we talk about. Uh, so, yeah. So, John, tell me, why did you want to talk about this album? Um, well, this was actually the uh, second album that I got of his. Uh, the first one, my breakthrough album was Slow Turning. Um, and I had heard about him before with um, Bring the Family. But uh, Riding with the King was the second album. And what I've kind of found out with great artists is there's a lot of songs on their albums that are never on the radio. So you just kind of wonder why, when I was listening to this album, it had probably been late 80s, had probably been out five or six years. Like, why haven't I heard these songs before? Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and it really is um, one of my favorites. It's, um, to me, it was big in his own um, catalog. Um, to me, he, he went to it another plane on his songwriting. Um, like every album he had has, has great songs on it. But to me, this was the one where like every song was good, every, every single one. And that's something, that's a trait that followed basically the rest of his career to me. Um, and so um, I, I, I really loved this song. It was a, to me, it was his kind of uh, a breakthrough album. Um, so I have a follow-up question if please. I may. Yes, please. I, I'm just curious since you did say that you got slow turning first, that would have meant that you got it in kind of the late 80s uh, around the time that CD stores were really prevalent. So did you happen to get this on CD for the first time or did you get it on vinyl? No, I got it on vinyl um, because, nice. uh, yeah, and um, I don't think I had a CD player at that time because I'm a big vinyl buff. And gotcha. uh, it, it took me a little while to turn to, uh, to CDs. 
but uh but yeah it was it was on vinyl yeah so i want to hear and so i'm going to let you even though you said you're four when this came out your experience with it but i i thought i'd share um so i started dating linda who's my wife in 1980 and um one of her best friends jennifer was dating a guy named rick and he adored john hyatt you know slug line was one of his favorite albums and so they all loved john hyatt and i kind of felt out of the group you know like one of the, i wasn't part of that cult um i was still loving the beach boys and brian wilson um and so riding with the king i remember getting it i don't remember if this was a cd or a cassette but i did get the release and i listened to it at the time i was a um I, I did I did outside sales. I, I called on restaurants and um, I had this in the player going constantly. And it was the first John Hyatt song album that I really loved. You know, I embraced this. I felt like all of a sudden, OK, now I get it. Now I'm part of the cool kids, you know, uh, <laughs> because, you know, I mean, I mean, Jennifer and Linda have been friends since the first grade, right? And so Rick and Jennifer dated in high school. So when we started dating, you know, I was definitely the youngest person. And, you know, I had the less tenure in that relationship. And so I always have um, the a lot of great memories about this. And I also love... Um, that there are some great songs on this CD or this release. Um, so obviously, Sylvan, you got onto this later, but any thoughts on Riding with the King? Um, I, uh, sorry. Oh, no, Sylvan, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I love this album. Um, it was there waiting for me to discover. Um, I shared when I had my episode with Jesse that, uh, John Hyatt's music has literally been a part of my life forever. And then there was one trip that, uh, we were listening to slow turning in the car over and over again. That was when I was about 10 and I started actually reaching for his albums myself. So at that point, riding when the King was there, it was on CD. And I think it was this particular summer in between when I was too old to go to summer camp and too young to have a good uh, summer job that would keep me busy, I spent a lot of time just putting on John Hyatt CD after John Hyatt CD. And I remember this one always felt really fun. And I loved all the songs on there. Like you were saying that like there, there really isn't a bad one on there. And there's such storytelling um, I had asked the question about, uh, whether you listened on vinyl because it wasn't until I was older and kind of doing more research that I realized that there are two different producers for riding with the King mm -hmm. and that this is an album that was really defined with a side A and a side B, which I never had that experience of. So did you have a favorite side or do you always listen to it? A, B, gotta do complete. Huh. Yeah, I think that's the number one question when you're riding with the king, side one or side two, side A or side B. Uh -huh. 
And um, to me, it's side B, um, definitely. Okay. Um, and, you know, I can definitely go uh, into that. Um, it's, uh, you know, I like how you said the different producers, because usually an album was produced by one person way back then. And I like how one side was one and one side was the other. You know, um, the first side had basically Scott Matthews was the whole band. You know, he played uh, drums, bass, keyboards, um, as well as backing vocals. Uh, the other side had the full band with Nick Lowe at the helm. Um, and, um, but really the, uh, the all-star of that second band was Paul Carrick. And, um, you know, we all know him through Ace, that song, How, How Long Has This Been Going On? And then he sang this, this Tempted by the Squeeze, and that was a big hit. And then he was on with Mike and the Mechanics. So this is a, this is a big name star as well. Um, and I think the combination of Nick Lowe and um, Paul Carrick really put it overboard. Um, and not to say anything bad about Scott Matthews, because he does a solid job, but there's an old saying, you know, a jack of all trades, but a master of none, you know? And um, I think Paul Carrick's keyboards to me really was the difference between um, side A and side B. Um, they both have great songs on it, but um, if you, that's my take on it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So, John, have you seen any of these performed live? I did see uh, Riding with the King perform live, and, um, and he really did an extended version. Um, this was, I think, right before COVID, probably 2017 or 18. And um, I can't remember if it was the last song before the encore or the encore, but he really extended it on stage and something that he normally doesn't do. He, he'll, he'll play. He usually doesn't extend the songs too much from the records you know, what you get is what you get, but um, this was uh, really good, and that's the only song I've ever seen live off of, um, off of the album. So, Sylvan, you've seen him more than um, either of us, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I, I know one of the things that I've always wished is he would go back to some of his older cat, catalog um, and, and play some of those, um, I've heard him do Riding with the King twice, I think. Um, but that's the only thing that is. Have you heard any of these live? That's a great question. I know I have heard Riding with the King. And I was um, wondering for either of you, if you heard it soon after the B.B. King and Eric Clapton cover and uh, whether he did the revised uh, bridge as opposed to the version that appears on this album. Um, it seemed like he was doing that for a while. And then I, as often as the case that the original really was the better version, he he has gone back to, uh, he, he'll thank BB and Eric for covering it, but he won't um, talk about the red cape and the tuxedo, or no, he will talk about the, the cape and the tuxedo. He won't talk about, I don't know. I can't even remember right now. Sorry. (laughs) No. um, Yeah. 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 I saw him last year and, Mm -hmm. and he ended with, uh, you know, riding with the King. That was the final song he did with the goners. Uh, You know, I, I've always wanted to hear love that harms. Um, Mm -hmm. She loves the jerk. I mean, you know, there, there are uh, a lot of these that I would love to hear. So, um, and I guess it's just, you know, he's moved on, right? Well, I mean, it's hard to believe this is a 40 year old album. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm like, there are bootlegs out there from this era of the um, early eighties that you can hear live version. And I I will hook both of you up if you have trouble finding them okay um and it was definitely fun hearing him play with them especially since some of those recordings you can tell that he wasn't exactly um sober um for the recordings um but yeah i think maybe i have heard love like blood one of my absolute favorite songs uh is um say it with flowers and I think that would be so much fun to hear live. And I doubt I ever will. And I, I don't think I've ever found it on a bootleg of any kind. And, um, yeah. So, um, John, how do you want to do this? Do you want to kind of 
go through just quick thoughts on each song? Do you want to? Yeah, I'd okay. definitely like to talk about each song. Okay, uh, good. The, um, I, We're going to let I you take think, lead. All right. Well, I'd like to tell you the one thing about him playing these songs. Uh, he played uh, the Crest Theater in Sacramento in 92 uh, with the Guilty Dogs um, off of the Perfectly Good Guitar album. And um, kind of afterwards, I waited around backstage and uh, met him. And um, one of the first things I asked him was, uh, why don't you play your older songs? You know, I said, there's so, and he says, well, you just can't play them all. And he just kind of shrugged it off. And so, <laughs> but yeah, I just don't know why these songs aren't, aren't played more because they're just, they are just so good, you know? Yeah. I mean, cause I know one of the things that, um, and I think I'm, you know, I, I'm going to put my other hat on there are Springsteen fans that go crazy when he plays something from the first two albums. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, and so I'm sure modern Hyatt fans, if they did something from one of these, they would go, eh, while I would be losing my blank. Right. right. Like, like, uh, so I, I, I see both sides of it. Uh, so, and yeah, I mean, you, unless you're going to do a six hour show, you, you have to pick what you think works and what the audience likes. And, um, it would be kind of fun that, you know, if I was giving a suggestion and, you know, luckily John's not calling me up and asking for advice, but, uh, I would throw a wild card, like one slot in the set list that would pick something you know, here's one from from the oldies and would throw in something would be kind mm -hmm. of fun. Yeah. Really yeah. And it is interesting thinking of some of these songs with the different bands, like you were saying, uh, seeing him with the Guilty Dogs, they had a very distinctive sound. Yes. Is there yeah. a particular song aside from the title track, Riding with the King, that you think their stamp would have really been well placed on any of these songs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they because they definitely rocked. The Guilty Dogs were mm -hmm. re really, they, uh, they rocked. And it, it was a great show, I, I remember. And they're, they're on that Live at Budokan album as yeah. well. So anyone wants to get a feel of what that tour was like, you know, check out that CD album. And, and is there any specific, as she said, that you think might be good? Like I could see, don't, I don't even try as that with that feeling of you know with those heavy guitars and such mm -hmm. oh yeah, yeah. De definitely that one and uh, say it with flowers would be another one and falling up would have probably been you know the rockers riding with the king wow they could have done a lot of these huh yeah exactly <laughs> come to think of it but, all right uh, but yeah but speaking of i don't even try mm -hmm. yeah that's the first one um and to me uh the uh i was talking about the scott matthews uh some of they he was playing those that what i want to say those cheesy kind of synthesizers that's really dated in the 80s um whereas on side two paul carrick is the piano and organ um so you know it start it starts off with that guitar riff and and those keyboards but the lyrics just uh, um, hold up really well, you know. Um, and then you hear this song, 
And there's kind of a recurring thing throughout the album of Love Gone Wrong. Don't you think there's uh, a lot of the songs are, um, are about that, that we're going to get into. Um, bad luck and harm times. Um, you know, it's a guy who's pining for this girl who has a new boyfriend and then she's out on him as well. You know, so, um, you know, the third and fourth uh, uh, line or lyrics, uh, champagne parties and sweet love scenes. Now it's warm beer at midnights and girly magazines. I stack an empty cans of like a freshman in school. It's the kind of thing you're into when you ain't nobody's fool. You know, got my socks in the oven, something's growing in the sink. I can't begin to face a day without a couple drinks. Had a decent meal since you made me cry. Well, I used to be your lover, but I don't even try. Um, that's great. I mean, you can just picture that whole scene. Everyone knows that person. Everyone knows, uh, has, has had that feelings and all, and all of that. And, and his lyrics are just so descriptive. So, yeah. Um, so um, we talked about before, by the way, we, we joined you that, Sylvan and I aren't going to go too deep because we're going to be breaking down every uh, every uh, right. song individually. But no, no, I, I please do. I, I do think that there is something about, and I don't. I hope I don't offend either one of you, but a a sink full of dirty dishes just looks like you you your your life's out of control, dude. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you you just given up. That just seems, you know, like, you know, dishwasher, wash the sink. Like, how hard is it to do this? And uh, I do love that imagery. It is interesting that um, because this is before sobriety, the talking about drinking is, is in a little way almost unsettling to hear him talking about that. Thoughts, Sylvan? Well, I mean, it it's him in denial, right? Which is yeah. the first step. He has not quite reached the point of admitting he has a problem. And, you know, yeah. this is completely rejection. I sure didn't know John then. I don't know him now. But um, yeah, I, and if you look back at some of the interviews, it might have even been for this album. He talks about like, well, I was never really a heavy drinker, but I decided to quit drinking while I recorded this. And like he, he had not quit drinking in yeah. retrospect. So, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it definitely paints the picture of the floundering person and, you know, stacking the empty bear cans is a, a great one, but you know, yeah. you can and either I, hide the empties or you could make a tower out of them. Yeah. And I, right. I, I do think there is a wonderful book. I recommend uh, blackout um, remembering the things I drank to forget by Sarah Heppola. And she, it's it's a very entertaining and um, very wrenching story of her journey to sobriety, and she 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 did a cross country trip, and she got to her friend's house, and when she got there, like she opened, and inside the car was filled with, you know, beer cans, empty beer cans. And her friend immediately started chewing her out. And, and Sarah tells the story like, why are you yelling at me? I'm being good for the environment. I could be throwing this all over, but I'm keeping them so we can recycle, you know? <laughs> no even thought about, you know, I may be drinking and driving. 
so uh, I think it's a great song to kick off the album or the release. I just yeah. think it, it, once again, you wake up, you have that immediate, um, it, it's a catchy riff, um, the way similar to, you know, um, Jenny, I got your number or something, you know, that, that rhythm number works really great. So yeah, I agree. Classic now, uh, at least endangered, if not extinct, um, rock and roll cliches of having a phone number right in the song and that seven digit phone number, like those existed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now then, you know, because our phones, we don't remember anyone's phone numbers. Right. So. Right. And I don't know about you guys, but we have to dial the 10 digits. Yes. We have to dial the 10 too. Yes, we do. Yes. Uh, All right. So death by misadventure comes next. What do you got, John? Okay. Um, Well, we've talked about before John Hyatt definitely has a twisted side to him. You know, songs like uh, Doll Hospital and Wreck of the Barber Ferrari, it kind of uh, reminds me of this, that in that vein, you know, the whole family dies, you know, the mom and dad kill themselves, the the kids are murdered, Um, you know, and uh, musically, it kind of reminds me almost like a Batman theme song, you know, Mm. it's it's, it's just kind of rocking along and, um, and so, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely um, like like I said, it, it's a more of a his his own twisted little humor looking at things. What do you guys think? I, it is disturbing. I looked on the uh, yeah. surface of it, but you can't help but dance around to it. And um, yeah, that that final verse of uh, the the good advice of some folks get confused and never know quite know how they're going but when you're laid out on that slab we're all the worse for knowing that the tag on your toe reads death by misadventure you know there but the grace go i it is a very dark song with a very upbeat lyric and musical so i i think john is specifically trying to do um you know, as mandatory, um, born in the USA, right, is originally Bruce wrote a blues version that was very much in tone with what the words he wanted to say. And he decided instead to do this rocking anthem in conflict to the story he wanted to tell because he thought it would be more powerful that way. I think the same thing, right? This is, um, you you are tapping your toes and then going, wait, what 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 is he singing about? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very it is, but um <laughs> yeah. but it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Girl on My String. That's um yeah. Go I ahead. was just gonna say there's a lot of that in this album, and I, I I have never come across demos for writing with the king. I'd be really curious to see how much that um you know, kind of uh, contrast between the music and the stories that he's telling evolved. You know, if he did start some of these with the tone that you would expect from the story he's telling, or if he knew very early on that he wanted to kind of create that kind of, you know, interest by the dichotomy of it. Mm. Yeah, very nice. 
Girl on a String, same thing, another very upbeat uh, musically. Um, what What's your thoughts on this one, John? Well, it's uh, another uh, Love Gone Wrong song. You know, uh, the girl is, uh, you know, the girl's all the loser on this end because uh, he's, uh, he's not a very nice guy, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but she's sticking with him um, through thick and thin. Um, it kind of, uh, you know, that they uh, compared him a lot to Elvis Costello. And it, it, to me, this kind of sounds um, kind of like an Elvis Costello song. Um, he, uh, he has a, a nice little guitar solo in there. Um, uh, and the only thing that I see wrong again is, and this is, uh, for me is those, uh, the Scott Matthews, uh, synthesizers, you know, I think that, you know, he's, uh, you know, playing that. And I think, you know, that was the sound, um, back then. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, the first verse, he really kind of sets everything up, um, talks about, um, he's got her going up and down like a yo-yo. And she's never better than so-and-so. Um, so, um, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I got from that. What do you think, Sylvan? It, it does. It paints such a picture. And um, like, you want to reach out and help this uh, girl. And, um, you know, I think it also plays right into she loves the jerk um it's interesting that they put a song in between those because i almost feel like that's a story that continues through the um the the lyrics of both songs but yeah at the same time um you can't help but like want to sing along especially with that girl on a string just a little play toy you know it's so catchy um i promised i wouldn't sing it that's the most you're ever gonna get from no that's okay Uh. yeah i agree yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I agree with the thing that this is really catchy, a lot of fun. And um, it is, this is a, this is not necessarily a healthy relationship, uh, but I think a lot of, of a lot of songs on these are, um, there is an exception or two, but most of these are not um, healthy relationships, right? No, they're not. Yeah. Um, I have gone looking for this. I know I heard at one point a live version where John actually dedicates Girl on a String to the American Congress for failing oh. to pass the Equal Rights Amendment. Oh, um, nice. So I'm sure he would have something to say about, you know, the Supreme Court appointments and so forth. So nice. Yeah. Okay, good. He used to be a lot looser with his opinions. Yeah. Now, what year was that? So would you remember? I I don't know because I don't even know if when I had it I had like the details of the mm-hmm. recording, but it would have been soon after this. Okay. And uh, I've also have heard a version where it is solo, much slower, just him and a piano, and it's um what you would expect from the lyrics as opposed to that like party kind of vibe. So it's very wow. adaptable. Wow. Nice. Uh, Lovers Will, uh, I guess Bonnie Raitt has done a cover, right? It yeah. is, um, yeah. yeah. Any what? What's your thoughts on this one, John? Um, so to me, it's the first just great, fantastic song on the album. 
Um, lyrically, it's just, it's brilliant. Um, you know, again, you know these people, uh, you know the feelings that they're having, and it's just all neatly condensed into three verses in the chorus. Um, now, here's Scott Matthews, um, trades in his synthesizer for an organ, and, and that really takes the reins musically, um, and as, as well as the background vocals. I think this, this to me is his best um, um, showing on the album. Um, but it's just, it's just brilliant, you know, like, um, um, who will, um, if, if love is the healer, who's the first one's ill, lovers will, you know, to me, that's just, uh, it's, it's just, um, you know, it, it's, I, I don't, it just says so, so much to me without me repeating the whole lyrics, you know, anyone listening, take, take a listen to this one, because it's really, Every, everything it's a it's a perfectly written uh, song agreed and i think uh a lot of other musicians have agreed with that too there's a lot of covers out there one of my favorites is actually johnny adams who's a soul singer um that had um done also she said the same things to me and he's got such an amazing voice it fits uh the melody that John built for this so much. And uh, Amy Grant actually covered it with her husband at the time, Gary Chapman, um, which I think is almost kind of tragic knowing that they then, or no, that was Love Like Blood. Sorry, I am okay. mistaking my uh, love songs from Running With The King. But okay. Johnny Adams definitely did Love As Well, yes. Okay, I will have to check that one out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's a great song. Um, but if I could, I'm going to jump to um, we had a, as I talked about, Linda had a really good friend, Jennifer. And this is not about Jennifer, I promise. But she had another friend that she has known since the second grade. And um, she ended up marrying somebody that um, most people did not approve of. Um, they did not think that he treated her very well. Um, <clears throat> she later divorced and uh, was happy about that. But at the time, um, Linda thought She Loves the Jerk was as perfect of a song about her friend as there could be. Uh, that just this whole idea that um, the you just she loves the jerk. I mean, this guy treats her horrible, and um, and and I, I love the musical way of this where they tell the story, and then it's almost like she loves the jerk, right? Like mm. almost the sigh, like no matter what else I put, um, she just loves the jerk. Um, John? Yeah. Um, and we all know those relationships that, you know, that people get into. And Sylvan, I, I, I think, you know, um, it's, it's a lot like Girl on a String, same type of, um, uh, of scenario. But, you know, th this is John Hyatt just hitting the bullseye, you know, on an emotion, on a situation and telling it perfectly. You know, no, no one else can write these lyrics you know, besides, besides John Hyatt, or put it that way. And it really just, you know, 
really makes you think and say that, wow, the, the, this is it, you know? So um, I, yeah, I love that song. I believe there is actually a video where uh, John is like lip syncing to this and it sounds like that would be silly, but he just captures the emotion so intensely and that um, I hang up the phone and pretend she's in my arms. Like you, you feel it physically in your body, what he's singing about there. And, you know, you can imagine what it yeah, looks like. Yeah. I mean, this could be in almost any rom romantic comedy, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm in the friend zone, I'm stuck in the friend zone. You know, and and you know the singer is talking about that, and that this whole, um, you know, and you can't, you can only go too far. Like saying you married the wrong guy, but mm -hmm. you know, if you push too far, um, you know, she's because she loves a jerk. Um, I I think a really powerful song, and um. You know, and like I said, because of the history we have, this is something we just really love. And every once in a while, we'll still bring up if we see something on a TV show or a movie, Linda's like, okay, man, she loves the jerk. And I, we immediately know what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I like it when he, when he says, Johnny, she says, you never do these things to me. And the fact that, because you, because it makes it so personal, like he is the one, like you really, he's the one who's, uh, who's really hurting in that. And, um, you know, it makes it so personal for, for him. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, yeah. Now have you, uh, Rodney Crowell has covered this song and does a great version of it. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard one of his version or not. It is a great version. Yeah. Yeah. He's got another great voice. Yeah. And, um, it, it, it drip, drips Southern charm for me. And yeah. He, yeah, you know, really captures all the emotions there. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get, yeah, I agree, and I, you know, the great. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of Rodney Crowell, and so uh, yes, I have heard him do that, and it it seems like he's another one, right, that has a lot of respect for Hyatt, and I, you wonder how they've never kind of worked, um, because Hyatt and Roseanne have done together. Right. Um, you know, that's one of my favorite duos that was on the Nitty Gritty Burt Band album. So um, you wonder if they've talked about doing something together. Do you know if they have, Sylvan? I don't know, although I am searching YouTube right now and there's a um, version of Rodney Crowell singing this song on Letterman in 1986. So I'm definitely going to have to watch that. OK, yeah, that's absolutely oh. good. OK. Good. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and one last thing about it, it, it says something when, you know, he's a great songwriter on his own. And when a great songwriter covers another songwriter, that's, that's gotta be the highest compliment you can give, you know, to a, to a songwriter because he had to leave one of his songs off the album to put that on. So, mm -hmm. um, so that really, to me, that says a lot when someone like Rodney Crowell covers a song. Yeah, that, that's really well said. Uh, and we end side one with Say It With Flowers. Okay. 
do, 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 yes. do, do, do. Yes, Sylvan's favorite. So, <laughs> you want to go first on this one, Sylvan? <laughs> I just, I like, I have so many memories of like dancing around my living room to the, you know, it, it, it's so much fun that little do, 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 do. And then the, the way it breaks down in the bridge and, Ta-da! And they, you know, it sounds so 1980s to me, but in the best possible way. And um, it's so high energy. And it's once again, not a particularly happy song. This is a guy who's going through a really a bad relationship and wanting to end it. Um, so, you know, one of those great breakup songs that if you can, you know, finally rip the bandaid off and walk away and say it with flowers. Um, and I believe this is long before FTD used that phrase as a tagline. So uh, I wished for a while that somehow they would, this would end up in a commercial the way that some of John's songs have, uh, you know, been commercialized, but yeah. it sadly never was. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, the guy gets dumped. It's kind of like the I don't even try kind of reminds me of the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, and it also kind of reminded me of uh, something that could have happened on uh, all of a sudden the album before that uh, music. Mm. Uh, I, I, uh, I kind of hear, hear that in there. So um, I don't know what you guys think, think on that. But um, no, that's a really interesting take. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it would have been different if it was Tony Viscotti uh, producing this. Um, and I'm kind of glad he's not because uh-huh. I think it just would have gone that much further over the line. Mm-hmm. But like for me, it's like it, it, it's overdone in the best possible way that it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Good. All right. Um, all right. So we flip the cassette over. Um, it does look like I was searching. It looks like that there was a limited release songs from the quarantine where Rodney Crowell worked with a couple of musicians, including John Hyatt, but it was only a limited release for, so now I'm going to have to go and try to find that. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, riding with the King, uh, as we talked about, this is something that still is on the set list. Um, you know, we, when we talk about this, I'm sure we're going to cover the cover, cover the cover, uh, that seems redundant, redundant. Uh, but I, I, I think this is a really, a, a well done song and, and I see why it's the title track and it, it, it starts off the second side really, really strong. How about you, John? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's um, so we got Nick Lowe and Paul Carrick and company. They're taking over. Um, I really like how the organ and the guitar weave in and out, and it's a real funky groove. Um, you know, the first and last verse. I think the first and last verse talk about himself. You know, and the middle seems to talk about Elvis. Um, mm-hmm. I like the the great. It's a great opening line. I dreamed I did a good job and I got well paid. Blew it all at the Penny Arcade. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, it, that's his total sense of humor um, with that, and so um, yeah, I when I this was the one uh, song where I just I couldn't believe I'd never heard it before, and the radio hadn't been playing it, 
because it's just so clever. Um, so just a, a great, you know, kind of like I said, a tribute to Elvis, but also talks about himself as well. Um, you know, he yeah, about- it's the kind of tribute that John would write that, mm-hmm. you know, it is self-reflective. And it's also like, yeah. I, so I obviously uh, heard this song before I knew a lot about Elvis's history and like, I kind of just pictured it as, you know, a, a very straight ahead tribute to Elvis that like John had always just admired him and saw this as this, him as this bigger than life figure at his peak. But I read, um, I don't remember, it might've been in the liner notes for the best of album that this actually came shortly after Elvis died that uh, John was driving around the woods and had the radio on heard Elvis's songs back to back and realized, oh, something must have happened because the radio wasn't playing Elvis at that time. And then just pulled by the side of the road and broke out into tears. Yeah. And so this song doesn't seem like the kind of song that comes out of a man crying alone in the woods witnessed by a moose, but that is exactly the start of this song. And um, it is just the twisted mind of John where it went from there. Right, right. And I mean twisted mind in the best possible way, of course. Exactly, oh, it, yes. It, it's a twisted mind, all right, but there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And <laughs> um, so, um, and yeah, he was he was definitely recollecting that uh, that ride. Um, it was down in um, in Wyoming. He was coming down, and but um, uh, I had uh, actually met Scott Matthews before. And um, he had told me that um, he had had a dream about Elvis riding a motorcycle. And he told John Hyatt that. And um, John, and he went then, and John Hyatt wrote the song uh, or came out of that. So he, and he was obviously thinking about, you know, the time when he, on that car ride. Um, but Scott had talked to, uh, was, was telling him about the dream. And, um, and then he came up with this song and which makes sense because side one was recorded first. So he must've been mm-hmm. talking about it during those recordings. Then John Hyatt must've wrote it after the recording was done. And then Nick Lowe, uh, you know, he did it then. And, uh, and Scott told me that um, John offered him a songwriting credit, but he didn't feel he deserved it because he, um, he just, told him about the dream and John Hyatt wrote it. And he said after mm-hmm. Eric Clapton and BB King covered it and sold 3 million copies that he really regretted that decision. <laughs> I bet. Wow. So, um, so yeah, I, I was, that, that was a really interesting tidbit about that. Oh, song. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago and in, in perfectly good podcast take a drink your blatant plug here where about different songwriters and credits and how little something might go you may only give a phrase and that'll get you enough to get a songwriter title so yes i mm-hmm. would have um i think you know that's very sweet of to do but yes after the fact like hey can i can i get a do-over on that would, do, yeah. would be pretty good yeah yeah no it was the right thing to do because yeah 
to me, just telling someone about a story isn't songwriting. Thanks. You know? So you may already be a winner, I think is just, um, we're poor, <laughs> we are <laughs> we are in our trailer, but mm. we're together and um, it, it, there is, I, I love that phrase. I, I still remember getting the publisher clearinghouse sweepstakes, you know, envelope yeah. in the mail, right? You may already be a winner. Mm -hmm. um, this is firmly tongue in cheek. Uh, tell me what you think, John, and I can't wait to hear yeah. someone's version as well. Oh, yeah, this is humor just shines through. You know, these two people, they're down on their luck and all they have is each other, you know. Um, but um, I like the Mr. and Mrs. Resident Dweller, your lucky number is, and then it breaks off. And then they yeah. say, you may already be a winner. But, you know, the last verse to me, um, when they talk, you know, he says, um, you know, this, you're tired of the same old dress. I know the car has been repossessed. The house is just a shack. You know, would you like a beer with your TV dinner? Oh, darn. <laughs> then you may already be a winner. So, um, you know, maybe it's just, hey, that all they have is each other. And I guess love is all you need, right? <laughs> That's what the Beatles say. Yeah. Sylvan. <laughs> I, agreed. And, you know, I, I, always had great affection for both characters in this story you know i feel like these crazy kids are gonna make it no matter what and um yet another um perfect little metaphor of its time that i don't know if they are sending direct mail out to anybody but i definitely remember getting it over and over again and it's like oh but just the idea that this thing that most people are annoyed by feeling like a lifeline of hope to this couple. Yeah. And I agree yeah. that it's down on their luck, but there there's, I think also the aspect of like publishers clearinghouse and all these horrible sweepstakes that take advantage of people down on their luck are still exist because that fantasy is so alluring and you just like, well, maybe, maybe we'll beat the odds. Maybe we'll, right. you know, be millionaires. And I just, I, I love the very humble wish of if we do cash in, we'll get a 10 speed blender. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> the, the idea we could win a house, Hopefully. an Eldorado, or maybe even a blender. Right. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm all, I also think of the very first season of Roseanne where, mm. um, her and Dan go to this restaurant that's pretty nice, right? And um, the, and he's like, we can't afford to do that. And she goes, oh, I've got a coupon. And so they go and uh, and he's, you know, the waiter, like, what do you want? He goes, well, um, I'd like to see your wine list, but can I get a beer while I'm waiting? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was just this, this so funny line. So, uh, yeah. Do you want a beer with your TV dinner? I mean, you know, it is, uh, it, and I don't, you know, I don't think they call them TV dinners anymore either. Right. Uh, so, but, uh, that's, that's greatness. I yeah, really, really wonderful. Uh, love like blood. Uh, John thoughts. Yeah. Well, I, to me, this is the album's only love song, you know? Um, and I really think musically it can fit on, um, 
warming up to the ice age. You know, it has that same kind of funky, soulful yeah. feeling as like she said the same thing to me or the crush, mm -hmm. you know? And if you ever hear that opening riff, you almost think they're going into uh, like Soul Man by the Blues Brothers. Yeah. And um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my take on that one. What, what do you think, Sylvan? I agree. It's a beautiful song. It's uh, had quite a few covers. Um, but to me, it's um, almost a troubling love song because I get nervous anytime someone talks about love as I need you, this other person to survive, which if we're saying love is like blood, that is literally what we're saying. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's quite different from have a little faith in me, which I think is an adult love song. That's like, you know, we support each other and we give each other that faith that we need to try. Um it's beautiful. You know, there's so many lovely nature metaphors in here. Um, but, um, yeah, um, I, hmm, it doesn't sit well for me the way it might have when I was a teenage girl, like even the last verse, um, over my dead body, will they ever take you away? Any man cutting in on me? Well, he just better stop. Cause I can't spare a drop. Your love is like blood. Ooh, that sounds yeah. a little <laughs> maladaptive yeah. not actually romantic <laughs> yeah um but i, I mean the melody is beautiful and we we have some beautiful covers including um amy grant and gary chapman they did this one um right. and then divorced so yeah there we go um yeah i i i remember liking the song um and but i I like the next one more. I, you know, the love that harms mm -hmm. is, is mm -hmm. one of my favorite songs. I, I love the melody and, and the, the way he uses his voice on that. Um, I think it's, it, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, John, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on the love that harms? Yeah, this is when I'm playing the CD in my car and this song comes on, I turn it up no matter how loud the, it already is. Yes. You know, it's, uh, I just love uh, this song. It just, you know, the band just attacks the song, you know, from the uh, very beginning. And again, I can't say enough about Paul Carrick's um, musicianship. And he, he's on both the piano and organ and he's just barreling down. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the first, the first verse is so great. You know, she sees the whites of crazy eyes, been in the camps of foreign spies, taken lovers by surprise. Um, the captive smiles, but all the while she's wearing a disguise. So she's she's captive. She's the one who's in captive, but she's in charge. She's, you know, they, these guys who have her, you know, they think they're in charge, but she's, she's the one in charge, um, you know. Um, it's a, it's a woman who's not afraid of anything, you know, to me and failure is not an option, you know, and then later on, we find out that uh, it's an ex of his, you know, he talks about uh, um, her wearing his wedding ring, you know, and, um, and then he's warning us, I'm telling you, so you won't go through what I'm still remembering, you know, 
Um, I, yeah, it's, it's just like I said, musically and lyrically, just such a great tune. Okay, yes. Okay, good. Uh, Sylvan, any thoughts? I, I, it's a great song. Um, I was actually kind of thinking that it's kind of a endangered species, or maybe I'm just not listening to the right songwriters or radio anymore. That it used to be that there were a lot of songs that were like, you better stay away from this one, kind of, you know, like warning you off uh, the damaged woman kind of songs. And I don't know if feminism had its way with that trope or mm -hmm. we just kind of got tired of them or maybe I'm just missing them or maybe the damaged women started singing their own songs a little bit too loudly and drowned out the other better warn you off they're warning everyone off on their own yeah um yeah I I could see all of that I um get like I said I I think musically this song and the way is there it's a short song um, but it's mm -hmm. it's one that I do I, I really love and it 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 sounds the least John Hyatt of the songs on this album. Does that make sense a little bit? It sounds more like a rock or pop hit more than some of the other songs. Yeah, and that's yeah, probably... I think I know what you mean. Okay. It it sounds like the songs he was writing when he was a staff writer, you know, yes. he's like, okay, let me fit this formula that yeah. isn't really me, but I got to pay the rent this week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next, the last song book lovers, mm -hmm. uh, John, anything on this one? Yeah. Um, again, and these, uh, this is my favorite part of the album. These, the love that harms and book lovers back to back. And, I definitely keep book lovers at that same volume as uh, the love that harms, um, you know, interesting, you know, it was uh, written with his wife um, at the time. And, um, you know, they wrote two songs together. That's this song and doll hospital off all of a sudden. And uh, neither of them were about a happy relationship. Um, as we all know, it didn't end so well, but um, I love the lines Crowds will gather for a twisted wreck. Well, all right, stare at me. You know, you can just, God, you can just picture that. It's just another story of love that's turned into a tragedy. Um, then he says, you, want, you wanted love to be a fairy tale with a sleeping beauty scene. Now another prince has come and kissed you out of all my dreams. I mean, those, to me, those are just brilliant lyrics. You know, they, mm -hmm. they, they really are. It just says everything so so precisely and all of that. I just, um, I just love that, you know. Um, it's another piano-driven song, you know, and I really love the way he lays into the chorus when he sings it. Um, and then uh, the background vocals with Nick and Nick Lowe and Paul Carrick. Um, so um, lyrically, musically, um, just a great performance. Yeah. Um, Sylvan, anything to add? I don't have anything to add, but, um, thank you for reminding us that, uh, Doll Hospital was the other co-write with Isabella. Um, it, it's a very sad story, obviously how their marriage ended and obviously her life ended. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting that, uh, these two songs 
play with the idea of that little girl innocence and um dreaming beyond reality of you know fairy tales and you know the barbie castle or what have you so mm-hmm. um yeah a, a song i don't think i could listen to it and not be a little bit sad though yeah i i, I agree i i think there is that in there yeah um all right and then we finish it up right yeah so um thoughts on this last one yeah falling up um yeah it has that uh rocking bo diddley riff mm-hmm. um and uh real real props to the drummer on that song um you know he's just pounding on those tom-toms and uh to me it's it's just a real fun you know party song you know um like you know kind of say it with flowers it's they ended the first side with an upbeat uh rocking song and he ended the second side um also as well um so i bet that song would have been real fun in concert as well he would have really done a done a good job on that one okay um i i don't have one anything specific uh, you know about this feeling uh, this song uh how about you sylvan um, I, I agree. It's a fun and, um, you know, I love the way he's playing with the images of, you know, kind of the con man type. Um, it's also on the, uh, tribute album rolling into Memphis covered by CJ, CJ Chenier. So if you want to hear a Zydeco version of this song, which oh. if you haven't heard, I hope you can actually imagine how that, you know, washboard and uh accordion can play right into this kind of funky rhythm it works really well um but yeah now i I, I gotta go find that yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. really my interest that would yeah that would be really good wow yes the accordion can surprise us oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) um yeah okay that's that's great um so this album um he was still he has one more album to go before he finds his kind of breakthrough album right his version of born to run bring the family um so but i think there's a lot in this album that shows that he still he's always been a very good writer and, you know, I think he's still working on finding the voice he wants to do. Um, how about you, Sylvan? Thoughts on this, uh, just in general terms of the catalog? Uh, yeah, I think it's really um, epitomizes the Geffen years, that yeah. there's all this expectation and this oomph behind it, but it's with it not quite fitting the man the the suit's just a little bit awkward on him and not quite working but i mean song by song uh you you both said it well that there's so many great songs there the production here is really fun to listen to the songwriting is top notch um and i would totally like pass this album to someone and say like this is what you need to know about john hyatt but I'd also pass him some other stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, how about you? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I agree with, 
with all of that. Um, I, I would definitely, you know, pass this one on. But like I, I, you know, I said earlier, this was to me, this was his first album where every song was good. And um, and I think there were a lot of albums that, that followed that. Um, I can't think of one right now that broke that. Um, but um, but yeah, this this was definitely you know the turning point for him, even not commercially, but um, but you know you look at the people who are on this album, you know the Nick Lowe's and the Paul Carricks, um, these master producers, the you know the hotshot producers of the time um, of uh, Ron Nagel and um, Scott Matthews. And even though he wasn't selling a lot of albums, they were all willing to work for him uh, or, you know, and uh, that, yeah. that kind of says a lot, you know, about, uh, you know, John Hyatt at the time. I mean, he was probably, I guess you'd call a well-kept secret, you know, among mm -hmm. the music industry. Um, you know, a lot of people were covering his songs, um, but he wasn't selling tons of them, at, tons of records at that point. Um, but, um, but yeah, to me, it was, a it, he went on a, on a new plateau, um, which he really hasn't stepped down since. That's my thought on that one. Yeah. Um, Sylvan, any other thoughts? I think he covered it quite well. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think that if, if someone came to me and said, Hey, I, I've really, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed um, some of the later Hyatt stuff, you know, and, and I've gone back to bring the family and, you know, those others is what, what's something from his early other stuff that I should check. I would probably give them this one first. I mean, Slugline was my first album that we bought, but I would probably give them Riding with the King and go, here is a good side example of his songwriting at the time and his sense of humor. I think this is a good kind of, as you said so well, sums up the Giffen years, right? That that this is what he was trying to do. So very nice, cool. Uh, John, thank you. This was a lot of fun. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? Um, you can reach me at John Fox six five seven seven at gmail com. Very nice. Yeah. Um, very good. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, I do got to give you another plug. Um, if you've enjoyed this discussion about John Hyatt, Selvin and I are every week going through every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. Uh, we take the song, we talk about the basic facts, and we share our thoughts, and we end up rating the song. And sometimes we even disagree with each other on the ratings. So Sometimes. Not yes. too often. And thank you for letting me... Um, Come over to the set listing, Bruce, and join you both on this discussion. Oh, so, you're welcome little anytime. Little Thank you. It was my pleasure. It's always <laughs> great meeting another John Hyatt fan. Absolutely. All right. I 100% agree. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> listeners, please take care, be safe, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand, but I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at Setlusting Bruce. 
you can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.